Welcome to On The Way, where we walk through scripture in episodes that are short enough that you can listen to them on the way to your destination and deep enough to help you on the way to becoming who God created you to be. We are being sanctified. We've not yet reached perfection. We are not yet in heaven, but we are on the way. Hey, welcome to episode 15 of On The Way. This is our seventh episode in the book of Hebrews. Today we're studying Hebrews chapter 7. Last week we talked about Jesus being the great high priest, not from the order of Aaron, but from the order of Melchizedek, which means today we get to tell the awesome story of Melchizedek. At the beginning of chapter 7, we're still talking about Jesus and Melchizedek, but now we're bringing Abraham into the equation. It reminds us of this incredible story from Genesis chapter 14. So one time when Abraham was young, he teamed up with a Gentile army and they won a big major battle. After the battle, they're traveling home and Abraham has an encounter with this mysterious king of Salem. His name was Melchizedek. The crazy thing is that Melchizedek is also a priest and this priest, Melchizedek, worships the Jewish God. So Melchizedek is a priest and a king. The author of Hebrews has been making the case that Jesus is the great high priest. And if Jesus is a priest in the order of Melchizedek rather than the order of Aaron, that means a few things about Jesus. First, it means that Jesus is a priest and a king, like Melchizedek. Aaron wasn't a king. Aaron's descendants weren't kings. Kings rule. They rule over people, and priests advocate for people. It's an incredible combination of power and grace if you're a king and a priest. A combination of sovereignty, but also patience. Of justice, yet also forgiveness. Jesus is a king, so ruling over people, yet he is also a priest, advocating for people. The second thing it tells us about Jesus is that he's not only the king and high priest of Israel, He is also the king and the high priest of the world. In order to to describe Jesus as a priest and king, God had to remind us of a time before the covenant with Israel was established, before the priesthood was established. He went all the way back to Melchizedek. Melchizedek was a king and a priest before the Jewish covenant was established, before God gave Moses the law and before the temple or tabernacle was built. In other words, the Jewish covenant had a beginning and an ending. It came and went, but Jesus is an eternal king and priest of all people and of all time. Okay, the story continues. So Melchizedek sees Abraham and his army after they win this battle, and he brings them a big feast. Then Abraham turns around and tithes 10% of everything he has to Melchizedek. So that's the story, but who's Melchizedek? Well, the author of Hebrews he says that he's the king of Salem. But what's Salem? S-A-L-E-M. It's an ancient name, short, for Jeru-Salem, Jerusalem. So before Jerusalem is the capital of Israel, it's a city ruled by Melchizedek. Later, Abraham's family would make Jerusalem the capital of the Promised Land the city where God's temple would be built. So this event where Abraham tithes 10% to Melchizedek 
is foreshadowing of a time when God's people would tithe 10% to the priests in God's temple, in Salem, in Jerusalem. Abraham is tithing to God's priesthood long before the temple is ever built and even before the priesthood is established. What an incredible image. So what does this tell us about tithing? You've heard people say that we shouldn't teach tithing because tithing is simply part of the Mosaic Law. But you have got to ignore a lot of passages outside of the Mosaic Law to try to make that case. Because not only did Jesus say we should tithe, but here's Abraham tithing long before the Mosaic Law was established. We're talking about eternal realities that are much bigger than the Mosaic Law. God said that the priests in Israel were to be descendants of Levi, but Jesus wasn't a descendant of Levi. He was a descendant of Judah. Well, what is the tribe of Judah? It's the tribe of kings. It's the the tribe of King David. Jesus is a descendant of King David. Jesus is a priest, but he's a new kind of priest. He's a king priest. Remember that it was the tribe of Judah that was exiled to Babylon, and it's the tribe of Judah that returns to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. We call the Israelites Jews because they are people of Judah. And Jesus isn't just from the tribe of Judah. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. So how can Jesus be a priest if he's not a descendant of Levi? Well, the law had to be changed. More specifically, and we talk about this more next week, the law had to end, and a new law had to begin. Hebrews 7.12 says, And if the priesthood is changed, the law must also be changed to permit it. Verse 13, For the priest we are talking about belongs to a different tribe, whose members have never served at the altar as priests. What I mean is, Our Lord came from the tribe of Judah, and Moses never mentioned priests coming from that tribe. So chapter 7 tells us that the old law just wasn't working, so a new way of picking the high priest was established. Jesus became the high priest by suffering, not by being born into the right family, not by having the correct ethnicity. And then the author starts to get really harsh. He's talking to Jews And he says this about their laws. Hebrews 7, verse 18. The old requirement about the priesthood was set aside because it was weak and useless. Verse 19. For the law never made anything perfect. But now we have confidence in a better hope through which we draw near to God. Moses' law was temporary. It covered up some sins temporarily but it never made anyone holy. The only way for a sacrifice to make people holy is if the priest offering the sacrifice and the sacrifice itself are holy. I just want to read verse 22 through 28 to you. They're incredible. Listen to this. Jesus is the one who guarantees this better covenant with God. There were many priests under the old system, for death prevented them from remaining in office. But because Jesus lives forever, his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. 
He is the kind of high priest we need because he is holy and blameless, unstained by sin. He has been set apart from sinners, and he has been given the highest place of honor in heaven. Unlike those other high priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices every day. They did this for their own sins first and then for the sins of the people. But Jesus did this once for all when he offered himself as the sacrifice for the people's sins. Have you ever been punished for something that you didn't do? I have. My twin brother, let's just say he was a liar growing up. He denies it, but it's true. Anyway, like a brilliant politician, he had the ability to convince my parents that I was guilty for things that he did. If he was accusing me of it, you can assume that he did it. And as someone who is naturally very justice-minded, that drove me crazy. I didn't want to be punished. I definitely didn't want to be punished for something that he did. So yes, I've been punished for many things that I didn't do. And for a selfish person like me, that's the worst kind of punishment. I also experienced it in sports. Growing up, we played on a basketball team and our coach had a very sinister way of getting us to, to work really hard. If anyone ever slacked off in practice, he would call the slacker to the side to watch everyone else run suicide sprints. The rest of us had to run, and the slacker just stood there and watched. The idea was that it was supposed to be harder to watch your teammates run until they puke than to actually run until you puke yourself. Well, one time I was the slacker, and I'm selfish enough that that's not how my brain was working at the time. Yes, I felt guilty that they were having to run sprints, but I was also very happy that I wasn't having to run sprints. I didn't enjoy it, but the sinister side of me was a little bit thankful. So as Jesus is hanging on the cross, having been beaten, having been mocked, spit on, stripped naked, tortured, and worst of all, separated from God the Father, I'd imagine that he's ticked at us, right? I mean, he's taking our punishment. He, he didn't do the sinning that caused him to hang there. We did it. But then he starts talking. And what does he say? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Luke 23, 34. He knows us. He understands our weakness. He can relate to us. Hebrews seven twenty eight says, The law appointed high priests who were limited by human weakness. But after the law was given, God appointed his son with an oath, and his son has been made the perfect high priest forever. And that is Hebrews chapter 7. Next week, we'll do chapter 8. Get excited because chapter 8 is a powerhouse chapter. If you're getting together with a group to discuss this episode, we've included some discussion questions in the show notes. And if you have time, spend a few moments in prayer before your gathering. Ask God to use these passages to form you into the person he created you to be. Thank you for joining me for this episode of On the Way. Here are the discussion questions for this episode. Number one, Jesus is our great high priest and he is our king. Considering the fact that kings rule over people and priests advocate for people, what is the significance of Jesus being both? Number two, the tribe of Judah was the ruling people, the tribe of kings. The tribe of Levi was the religious tribe. What does it imply that Jesus is from the tribe of Judah rather than from the tribe of Levi? Number three, Hebrews 7.19 says, The law never made anything perfect. 
What does that say about the old law? Why would God establish the law if it didn't make anything perfect? Number four, before Jesus died, he said, it is finished. Why was Jesus's sacrifice a once for all sacrifice? But the other high priests had to repeatedly offer their sacrifices. 